Welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast for episode five. I'm joined by Blake once again. How are you, Blake? I'm back. It's good to be back. I'm good, Jason. How are you? Yes, very well. Very well after oh, no, actually not very well, if I'm being honest with you. I've <laughs> got a throbbing headache since last night's um, I guess, uh, what would you say? Uh antics. Too and- much screaming at the telly. Yes, yes, and a, and a few Mount Franklins thrown around the room, unfortunately. <laughs> Mount Franklin, his legacy. Anyway, I want to thank the viewers, I keep saying viewers, listeners for tuning in for another week. Um, as we do, as always, we've got to head to our Saturday review. First of all, I want to speak about the Group 1 win of Incentivize. Uh, obviously, both yourself and myself were very happy with his performance. How did you rate that performance from the big Queensland cult hero? Uh, well, I think everyone, well, at least we got what we expected from the horse uh, in that race. And I mean, by all accounts, it was, it was a good win. He, it looked like he was not going to run a place. I don't know. I don't know if everyone else kind of thought the same thing down the straight, um, maybe like 300 metres out he just sort of hit a flat spot and then it looked like three or four horses were going to run straight past him. And then I honestly wasn't even watching. I started looking at horses coming down the outside and then next, next minute he was running back up the inside. So I didn't even know which way, which way to look, but um, no, it was, I thought it was really impressive what he did. And um, that, that win for me showed that he can stand up against some of the big guns. I mean, it was only this. It was only over the mile, um, and he and a lot of his competition that day will be aiming for uh, longer, longer trips during yeah. their prep. But it was it was good early signs, I think. Yeah, well, as you said, Blake, I think the biggest question mark going into the week were was would his Queensland Group form stand up in a Group One race in Melbourne at weight for age level, and he proved that immensely, in my opinion. If he's beating them at a mile. First time, um, wait for age level group one. I know it wasn't the best of the best, considering what he would probably be versing in the cups to come. But you know, it, it's it's really scary to think what his ceiling is. Really, we we, we might well, not. It was a big step up. up. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, no. I guess a good point for our podcast last week was the New Zealand Kiwi mare on Trivier. She was brilliant. In, I think it was the Scirocco at uh, Kembla Grange. What did you think of her win? And where do you reckon she'll go next to group one? Uh, I think she should. She's she's good enough to do it. We, um, I think we, we broke down that race perfectly um, on the podcast. I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but yeah, we, the way we, the way we looked at that race and um, sort of the analysis we gave, it was pretty spot on there. She got the perfect run um, and everything sort of panned out perfectly for her. Um, so it was, a, it was a nice return. And yeah, bigger things, uh, bigger things ahead for her as well. Yeah, I thought she was really good. And I think that that little weight swing that she endured from not running basically one of the race, in my opinion. So um, it was very well spotted from yourself and me. Um, Animo, he was probably the biggest talking point of the day at Kembla Grange. He returned in dashing form as a three-year-old where to next for him probably the um golden rose now and do you reckon he wins that race i know we're a long way out in barrier draws and whatnot but you know if he's doing that first run back do you reckon he can go on and win a couple more group ones um i don't like to i don't like to get too far ahead of myself with these horses uh especially the the two and three-year-olds because a lot can a lot can happen uh, sort of between runs especially after like one run um the run was the run was good and a lot of the hype around the horse sort of suggested that he would put up a performance like that so it was good to see um but for me personally i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go out and say oh yeah he's he's definitely gonna win uh the the those sort of runs the bigger group ones down uh, down the track just off that run but it's a good it's a good uh, sort of stepping stone leading up to those runs. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think 
The biggest talking point at Flemington was the amount of short price favorites that were getting beat. I'm sure there's a lot of multi punters that are listening to this show that, that might've had a notorious or who was the other one that lost? I can't remember, but the one I want to talk about is Ayrton. Ayrton got offered the owners of Ayrton got offered $2 million to send this horse to, I think it was Hong Kong during the week. And they said, no, um, if you're an owner, Blake, what would you do in that position? No, no way, no way. Keep the horse. Keep really? the horse, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I guess business-wise, yeah. is that horse going to make that $2 million back, plus all the training fees and every other fee? Like, business to me, probably a stupid decision, really, in my opinion. To me, but if I was an owner or, I mean, obviously, I'm a racing sort of fan, I guess. You um, are an owner. I'm a But if... I mean, yeah, like my opinion now is, is is probably biased towards being a racing fan and just wanting to see the horse race. But even if I, it's easy for me to say not being an owner, but I reckon if I was an owner, I'd want the same thing. I'd want to see the horse run. Um, yeah. And if he does win some of the big races this prep and in future preps, it's, it's not out of the question that he'll make uh, money similar to that price tag anyway. So... For me, the the sort of enjoyment and excitement you get out of racing the horse, you know, adds value on top of the fact that he can probably win close to two million in his career if he keeps going anyway. So yeah. you kind of get um, two birds with one stone if you if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, we've got to get one thing straight here, Blake. You are an owner. You're an owner of two beautiful pups. Um, <laughs> they're, coming, they're coming through the grades, and I'm sure a lot smaller. <laughs> than the, the gigantic beast that's running around at Zapto, Campbell's Gym. Hopefully I'll get an offer for two mil for them one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the case. You know, I'd, I'd like a little, um, you know, maybe you know, Hurricanes dinner or something like that. <laughs> anyway, regardless, we're going to head on to racing this Saturday. Group one racing at both Caulfield and Randwick. We're going to head to Caulfield first. The track conditions, weather and expected bias. Tomorrow, it's set to be 16 degrees and raining. The rail is out six metres and the track is currently a good four. However, there's up to 10 millimetres of rain predicted and this track could easily get into the soft five and soft six range. How do you reckon the track will play bias-wise, Blake? Uh, just just the typical sort of leader-ish, not too leader-ish. Um, you just want to be in the front half of the field, I reckon. A little bit closer to the fence than off the fence. Just typical Caulfield bias is what I'm expecting. What are you expecting? Yeah, I guess, I guess that's the typical thing with Caulfield. I guess when the rail goes out and the rain does come, sometimes we see the inside chop out and sometimes it's not the worst place to be out wide. It just depends how much rain actually falls and, and how the wear and tear of the track is. But I guess as always, punters, Blake and I can't stress this enough, watch and assess the first couple of races. There's no definitely. any obvious, definitely, definitely, obvious definitely. bias because that's how you can make serious money in punting by sitting back watching see what happens and then you can basically identify only generally in most races that there is an obvious bias there's only only a handful of horses that can actually win the race so yep. i guess you can limit it down to a to a three to four horses in each race definitely regardless there's a bit of punting advice from blake and myself we've got to head to race seven the group three naturalism stakes over the two thousand meters i think this is actually one of the first stain races we've covered we're covering um two stain races this week so Obviously, spring is in the air. Oh, if it wasn't in the air last week, it's in the air now with 2,000 metres. <laughs> slowly building up towards the, the big cups and cox plates and whatnot. Regardless, it's a really open market in this race. We have non-conformists as around the $4 market across all bookmakers. Um, who's on top for you, Blake, and why? Uh, on top for me, I think non-conformist deserves favouritism here. He's, he's the horse to beat, in my opinion. The the run last time at Mooney Valley behind Superstorm and Elephant was as good as uh, I thought it could have been from Barrier Twelve uh, with that with that sort of setup, and I think he sets up a lot nicer this weekend from Barrier Seven uh, with the fifty five and a half. It 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 looks nice third up for him. He's got that good third up record, uh, good stats over the distance and at the track, so everything kind of points towards him running well. So I think he definitely deserves favoritism. Um, do you agree with that or are you looking at someone else? 
Yes, um, I agree with him being favourite. Will I be betting in this race? Oh, I have to go through it a bit more deeply and see what happens with the weather and whatnot tomorrow morning. But um, he definitely deserves favouritism based on the fact that he did run a pretty good fourth in the Group 2 fee and stakes. And he does drop three and a half kilos on this run, draw as well, or better than what he did at um, Mooney mm. Valley. And he's obviously handled the track. He likes the distance and he's racing in good form. I thought the two best horses in this race, or the two best horses in time, in my opinion, are Realm of Flowers and Traley Rose. I thought they both returned really well to racing. Um, in particular, Realm of Flowers, it might sound stupid, she did come 12th beaten um, four lamps in the same um, group two race, but she actually ran the fastest last 200 metres of the race, and she's obviously a a very talented stayer winning her last race, last preparation by almost five lengths over the 2,800 metres. And in that Ramsden, she gets um, entry into the Melbourne Cup. So obviously the team have bigger plans to come, but it wouldn't surprise me if she ran better here, obviously. She, she won't run second last year. Um, <laughs> she ran in the placings. Um, she's probably one run short, but I, I feel like she's one you can follow into next run. Anyway, I think I think we're pretty sold on that race, Blake. It's not one I really want to waste time <laughs> on. But um, yeah, non-conformist for Blake. And I have to agree with Blake, non-conformist and a big watch on Realm of Flowers. We head on to the Group 1 race at Caulfield. Race 8, the Sir Rupert Clark over the 1,400 metres. Um, I think the main question in this race is the top weight behemoth. He's 59 kilos for the for the Group 1 champion. Uh, maybe not champion. It's a bit too far. I think that word gets... Well, he is a Group 1 champion. Well, Three-time group one champion. He's a group one winner. I don't know about a champion. That 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 word gets thrown around a bit loosely these days, in my opinion. But, <laughs> um, anyway, talking point. Can Mr. Behemoth go back to back? No. That's my uh that's my short answer to a, a very complicated question. I think Probabile is a class above most of this field, especially at this point in their careers. What Probabil did first up indicates that she's ready for another good prep. And although I've mentioned this a few times on this podcast that I don't like backing horses who are second up off a win, Probabil is probably, well, Probabil is the only other exception I've seen apart from Behemoth who can do it, who I've seen can do it in previous preparations. So that gives me confidence to back her uh, going against sort of my own philosophy. Um, and I think the way that she sets up, even though she's got the 57 kilos, she's only got barrier two and she can sit handy in races. So she won't get too far back. She's not going to do any work in the run. And so even though she's got that big weight, she deserves the big weight because she's a three-time group one winner uh, and she's run second three other times in group one. So she's just a massive group one level performer. And I mean, we might not have even seen the best of her. Like, she's she's a five-year-old this prep, so she couldn't get even better. Yeah. I have to agree with you there with Probabil. I think she'll she'll be very hard to beat. And, you know, going into this race, she wasn't one that I was, I guess, overly looking towards. But uh, speaking to you before this podcast is aired, um, yeah, she looks, she looks the obvious top pick in this race mm -hmm. i think the best suited horse to weights and measures is definitely bo, uh, bo rossa the south australian horse um you know she meets behemoth oh he meets sorry that's a, almost a transgender uh not transgender sorry sex change there i'm just gonna shut up actually let's not, don't, let's not think that <laughs> this podcast um yeah so um that horse beat uh meets behemoth three and a half kilos better off the weights we're going down ahead so Based on that, draws barrier one again. You'd like to think that horse beats home Behemoth. Is it that simple? Racing's never that simple. Um, and Behemoth mm. has shown that he can win this race. He won this race with, I think, 59 or 60 last year. Three wide, no cover um, with a lap full of horse left, I think. So mm. um, regardless, I think I'm when I was looking at this race, I think the horse at the top of the market are a bit shafted in the weights. Um, I feel like there's a few horses at odds here that can run a good race. I think the first one is definitely number four, Dallasan. I think 51 to one or 60 to one's a ridiculous price. Um, his preparation's been terrible. Um, he was meant to have his first run against Behemoth and Bo Rossa in that um, group three race at Morfittville in the spring stakes. But 
Um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, I think he's strapped or something. They, they let go of him in stables and he was running around everywhere. So they had to scratch him because he got cuts all over his legs and whatnot. So that was a massive setback. And then at Caulfield the other day, uh, sorry, the Mooney Valley the other day, first of all, that's not his track. Second of all, he was carrying 60 and a half. Um, and he got back, did everything wrong. And it just, just wasn't his day. But this horse is a proven... Mm. He's a proven Group 1 performer. I know he hasn't won a Group 1 race, but if you look at his resume, it's extremely impressive. He's he's come um, he's come third to a Daben very elegant in last year's, uh, this year's, sorry, Queen Elizabeth Stakes. He's come third to Cascadian in the Doncaster. He's come fourth to very elegant, beating 0.3 in the Turnbull. And he's also got a second in the Group 1 derby against Russian Camelot to his name. So he's a, he's a proven performer. Obviously, he's drawn terribly and he, and he, he was so bad first up that He's 61 to one, but you know, I could easily have him like twenties or thirties in a race like this. And even that might be a bit long for a horse of his caliber. Uh, I think groundswell and uh, speaking to Blake pre-race, he was very disappointed last start. Blake pointed that out to me. So I'll probably let him slide here, but he's also one that could improve and sit on speed and be tough enough to run down. And Poland's the other runner that intrigues me a little bit. He gets the blinkers back on. Um, and his best has been really good. It's really rated well that win um, at Caulfield over this trip in Group Two company was that rating was through the roof. Some rating guru mm. on rate the rating gurus on um, Twitter were all over it. So anyway, Blake, you've so um yeah, who have you settled on and who's the main dangers? Um, well, I, I've settled on top with Probabil for the reasons I outlined already. Um, Poland is a horse who I I can agree with you to some extent. I think that horse has some good runs in him, some big wins in him. I don't know if that'll come this weekend. Um, and I didn't I I didn't really see enough first up to warrant any sort of uh, interest in backing him in this race. Um, although I do think he will will turn out a good horse and will have some good runs, I, I, yeah, I have my doubts whether whether it'll be this weekend. In terms of horses around Probabil that I'm a little bit interested in, Sierra Sue is literally to this day still trying to get out around Mooney Valley. That was <laughs> that was just horrific watch. That was that was a uh, yeah really horrible. I, honestly, I think if she got out like it's hard to say because she didn't and she's still trying, but I reckon if she did or does, she probably wins the race or goes very close. I honestly do. And that's 13 bucks. Now she opens 17. I think that's pretty generous considering, considering that from last start. Um, and then if you like Sierra Sue or which I do, I've also got to like dice roll to some extent because dice roll beat Sierra Sue. Uh, where was it? At Flemington, Sierra Sue ran fourth to Bartholomew Diaz over the sixteen hundred. So I think they both had they both had uh, even luck in that race. So if I like Sierra Sue, I've got to like Dice Roll, and Dice Roll's double the price. He is first up, and he's a seven year old, but he's got a good first up record, and I didn't mind the trial. So he's one uh, probably the one at the biggest odds that I've got any sort of interest in, but I definitely was focused around those three runners, Probabil, Sierra Sue and Dice Roll. Um, I'm Thunderstruck is the one that is sort of the most interesting, generates the most kind of interest in this race for me because he's only had the six runs. He's had four wins and some of, some of his runs have been mind boggling. Like the way he, the way he comes around some fields, it looks like he's just cantering up to them, canters straight past them and can like lap them, like literally just do another lap before they finish. So if he, if he turns up and does that, he, he could win. But the problem I had with him and I have mentioned to I mentioned this to you before the podcast, the problem I have with um, Thunderstruck in this race, although he's got the lightweight is because he gets back and this is such a big field we saw him peak on his run at Caulfield where he was stepping up. It was second up. Uh, he was stepping up to the 1400 meters from the 1200 meters where he won first up at sale by three, three and a half lengths. That first step up to 1400 meters, he came around the field exactly like he has done in his last two wins. And he peaked on the run. It looked like he was going to go straight past the winner, the leader, and he peaked on the run. So I think with the big field here, a similar kind of thing could happen. 
Um, that's just my only worry with the horse. But I think, yeah, big things to come with Um Thunderstruck. And it'll definitely be interesting to see how he goes in this kind of uh, race. Um, just So just to summarise, I'm, I'm focused mainly on Probabil. Um, and then my other two interests in the race are Sierra Sue and Dice Roll. Beautiful. Thank you for that, Blake. There was our Group 1 thoughts for the Rupert Clark. Uh, we're going to head to the JC trial files now. Uh, unfortunately, we had our first loser last week. I think we were three from three, I think, or maybe four from four. Um, the Rampets uh, failed to uh, continue that streak, unfortunately. But it's a new day. The show must go on. We head to Newcastle tomorrow. Race four, number four, Norwegian Bliss. I think in my trial report, the thing I wrote down was, baby, what have we found here? Or what have we unearthed here? Or something, something along those lines. But <laughs> I'm sure one of the listeners will will have uh, read that um, that trial report, would have kept that close to him when they're sleeping at night. But um, regardless, <laughs> um, yeah, this horse tried brilliantly on that day on the 30th of August at Gosford. Um, I think the thing to note with her is she tried well last preparation when she chased home a horse called Colours, who was airborne at the time. Um, and that horse, Colours, um, she won on debut in a really hot form race where there was like five or six subsequent winners. She hasn't come back well this preparation, but um, she, she was airborne at the time which is the main point i want to make um from there she got sent down to the kieran ma stable don't know if she had any victorian jump outs but she's been she's been now picked up by nathan doyle i like nathan doyle as a trainer i like him when he picks up horses and i like him when he only has when he only tries his horses one time it's perfect because it's proven because um dalgano was another horse that i black booked in the from the trials a couple of weeks ago and that horse came out and saluted for us on sunday for our sunday selection on tiktok at gambles gambles little plug there <laughs> um so yeah nathan Doyle up on one trial um generally when he only trials him once he's very confident so i think this horse tomorrow will be hard to beat i've got my phone um on my hands just waiting for the odds to open up currently so so um i guess um Costa from uh, Top Sport will be waiting for my um, call. Request. Makes two of us now. You've sold me, Jace. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Blake, we're going to head over to the Hong Kong report files, whatever you want to call it. Take it away. Let's go. Get around it. All right. Um, there's actually two horses that I want to uh, mention for Sunday at Sha Tin. We've got another meeting that's half, or not exactly half, but there's a few all-weather races, a few turf races uh, mixed around uh, through the card. One that I want to mention, not spend too much time on, is in race one in the class four, 1650 over uh, on the all weather. And it's number one game player times. He's dropping in class into class four for the first time. And he's actually from overseas, originally from Brazil. And I'm pretty sure he's like a group one or group winner over in Brazil. Like he had, he had some massive runs over there. And when he came to Hong Kong, he, he didn't really perform very well at all. And then last preparation, he put in this one run on the all weather that was incredible at odd, that ridiculous odds. Like he was paying like 60 to one or something. You probably remember Jason. I, I, I remember showing it to you. And since then he's run good races and he's had big jockeys on like Joe Marrera. Um, but he just hasn't won. So he's dropping now into class four. And I think this is the race that he'll win. He had a good trial leading up to this. He's first up. Um, so new preparation for him. And I think this will be the prep where he sort of puts the form that he had in Brazil on the table in Hong Kong. And if he does, the class four is just really, it should be a really easy win for him. So that's one to watch. I don't know what price he'll get, um, but he's one I'm interested in there in race one. The, the main horse that I do want to focus on is in race 10 and it goes by the name of CP Brave, trained by Tony Millard and to be ridden by Joe Marrera. It's drawn barrier one and I've tipped, I tipped this horse either one or two times at the end of last season. I'm in love with the horse, honestly. He's, he's another one from overseas. He's from the UK um, and he had a few big wins over there. He's come to Hong Kong and he's run three races to date. He's had a lot of trials in between those races and he's trialed well every time. But in his last two races, he ran third by 0.3 of a length and second by 0.5 of a length. And the trials since then leading up to this first up run, this prep have been even better in my opinion. You get Joe Marrera on and the horse gets down onto 52 and a half kilos from barrier one. I can't really see too much going wrong in this race for him. Um, I think this is a race that he'll definitely be 
targeted towards winning and getting sort of on the right foot leading into this season. Uh, so CP Brave number 11 in race 10 is the one that I want to focus on for the trial files this weekend. Beautiful. Thanks for that, Blake. Joe Moreira riding at 52.5 kilos from Barrier 1. What more could you Mouth-watering. To end the day, it's 7.45 on a Sunday night. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that would be. Anyway, hopefully we can build that bank at Randwick on Saturday to the weather and bias. Randwick on Saturday, set to be sunny and 26 degrees. The rail is in the true position and the track is currently a soft six. Um, probably get to a soft five, maybe possibly a good four. I'm not sure how well it will dry out tomorrow. How do you reckon the track will play, Blake? A little bit unsure, but based on previous meetings at Ramwick, Ramwick for a, for a long time has been a track where horses have been able to make some ground and it's been a track more so than others where there's been, it's been less common to see a leader bias. But I think in recent times, Randwick has kind of become more of a track that leaders do sort of get some sort of an advantage. And in some meetings have had like incredible advantages. So I'm expecting something similar again, where you probably want to be on horses that are towards the front of the field, even though, so yeah, for, for a long time, sort of going back um, in the last sort of two or three years, Randwick has been a track where horses from the back have been, if not advantaged, you know, they've had their chance. But um, yeah, in, in sort of the last few weeks, few months, it hasn't looked like that exactly. So I'm leaning towards horses at the front of the field. Which way are you leaning, Jace? I just want to first of all point out that the rail is actually in the seven metre position. I made a mistake there. I was looking at a previous meeting. Um, I think I was going to say Randwick true is as, as genuine as you could probably get. It's same as like a Flemington true. But um, when, when the rail does go out, out at Randwick, in particular, the first couple of races of the day, um, you do what exactly what Blake said. I, I don't really need to, um, I guess, allude on it any further. Um, so we'll head into race six, the T-Rose Stakes Group 2 level over the 1,400 metres. Once again, another open race. Um, I think, as we all know by now, these three-year-old fillies are nowhere near the level, or maybe not nowhere near the level. It's a bit rude to the to the girls, but the Colts are definitely better than them this year. Um, but I guess, who do you reckon's the best suited to the 1,400 metres and the step up to the 1,400 metres, if I might say? I think... Okay, well, I think best suited to the step up in trip is Mallory. And she's a horse who's run two good races so far this prep. So they both indicated to me that she'll appreciate further. And you were, you were mentioning to me earlier, Jason, that that's sort of been the obvious um, sort of stance on her for a while, that she'll appreciate getting up to even sort of a mile. Um, I don't know about a mile. I guess we'll see in time. But I think the extra 200 meters is guaranteed to help her. Um, she's got barrier one, which is also ideal. You can't really get much better than that. Um, as long as she gets the breaks, I think this is probably her best chance to win one. Yeah, I have to agree with you 100%. I think Mallory's probably probably the horse now being third up, 1200, 1200 up to 1400 meters. I know a few of them have the exact same profile, but I feel like she's the best suited to this. Um, I just don't I don't know where four moves ahead gets to from the back. Oh, I know where she gets to. She gets back to near last. And you know, she, you reckon? I don't think they'll press the button. I think in, in the trials, mm. they made it obvious that, that they want to ride her cold. And I think the yeah. reason why they want to ride her cold is because they want to target races like the I guess Caulfield Guineas. Maybe that's the right race. I can't remember the race, but that's what that's mm. the race they wanted to target over a mile. So the only way mm. she was gonna run a mile is if they got I got her to settle because obviously early days in her preparation, she was uh, early days in her career. Her first two wins were on speed. So from barrier 10, both starts this preparation. She drew barrier 13 last start. She went back to last and now yeah. drawing 10 of what, 11 about that. There's a few scratchings. Um, yeah. I think she'll get, go back. There's speed out wide from swift witness. I think she's a horse that only knows one way and she races best on speed. Um, or at least box seating. So she'll go forward. And other than that, it's a, this race is a little bit devoid of speed. I guess the I guess Robo Deera and the horse that Gay Wardhouse's horse that won at Newcastle, never been kissed, can probably go forward. Um, I'm with you in Ballerie. I think, yeah, 1400 meters will suit her perfectly. Is that all for this race, Blake? 
Yeah, yeah. I, th I think Mallory is sort of the main focus for me. I just want to mention, I, I mean, it sounds from what you've said and from what we've seen that four moves ahead will go back. I think if the horse does go forward or not even not even go forward, just sits a little bit handier. Like we know we know she's got the speed to get out the gates, right? There's, there's no question about that. I think it's between whether she goes back to last or whether she just find, tries to kind of slot in in the middle somewhere. And I think if she does try to slot in somewhere in the middle, she can actually run a really, really good race here and, and almost deserves to be favourite on that. Um, I guess you're just kind of taking the punt whether or not she goes back to last, which she did last time. The only thing kind of tempting me to suggest that she won't is that they did last time and it didn't work. Like she ran a she ran a really good race. She ran a, she finished like less than one point five lengths off the winner, um, but there was no way she was going to win just purely because she got so far back. So, I mean, I think if you know if they use that kind of logic, then they should be saying for this race, well, we better not get back that far back, or we won't have any chance. Um, we should try and sit at least a little bit closer and give ourselves a chance. And I think if they do that, they'll be in it. But yeah, yeah, I, I think Mallory would be hard to beat, even though, um, yeah, just because of the sort of the, the better barrier and the step up in trip, I think Mallory's sort of the one I'm leaning towards either way. Beautiful. All right, we've got to skip the group one race. We've got to finish off on that. We've got to finish on a high, as everyone wants to do. Um, we're going to head to race eight, the group two, the shorts over um, eleven hundred meters. Um, I think the main talking point in this race is, geez, we've got a mini Everest here. There's a few horses lined up <laughs> that have already been um, allocated slots for the Everest. I think um, Nature Strip has, uh, Mask Crusader has, Rothfire has, Lost and Running has. And if there is any other ones that have, then um, I'm sure you probably know, Blake, you're all around it. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, <laughs> not, not, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was a bit of sarcasm, but regardless. Um, <laughs> um nature strip big talking point very impressive winner um first up i think we we're both in his ship and i i personally thought the dollar 50 was christmas like you know i know dollar 50 is not everything for punters but 50 percent return on your investment for very little risk in a very bad field it was almost like taking mm -hmm. weeks to win at a dollar 50 in my opinion but regardless <laughs> do you reckon he can make it two from two this preparation uh, well yeah i think i think he can Will he? Make do I think he will? Is, is, is a bit of a different yeah, question. Do I think he will and do I think he can? Uh, sort of two different questions. Um, I think the price is right. I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's sort of too short or too much. I guess. I guess you don't really know what you're going to get with Nature Strip, and the other thing is you don't really know uh, sort of how the how the race is going to pan out, especially with the small field. Uh, so I'm, I'm on the fence with this race, just sort of overall. Um, that's, that's my, that's sort of the way I'm looking at this race. Uh, do you think that nature strip will win this race or can win this race? Um, I think can win his race is a bit of a dumb question that I just threw to you. Um, obviously can win this race. <laughs> um, any horse in this race can, oh, actually no, there's two horses that can't win this race. Haha. -ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, sorry, sorry to connections if they're listening. Um, <laughs> um, will he win this race? No. I, I, is he priced correctly? Yes, because he can make us all look stupid and come out and win by two or three. He has that in him. But will I be mm. on? No. Was I on first up? Yes. Was it a dollar fifty? Yes. Do I like favorites? Of course I do. Favorites win bloody more races than the second favorite and the third favorites. Statistics say that. Will you make money back in every single favorite? Obviously not. But you know, you can't say, oh, I don't back favourites. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. But if you think a horse's value or horse's value, you know, it's whatever you perceive the price to be. Anyway, we're giving a few punting lessons out today, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, I think he won't win this race based on the fact that he's got to get a much, much more um, contested lead, I guess, in this race. I, I, I don't like him running off the pace. I've, you know, I've always been a firm believer in let fast horses run fast. That's what they were made to do. Right. Don't, don't let them settle. Don't because once they settle, all it takes is for them to get stirred up just a little bit. They lose some energy and it just all goes out the window. Um, yeah. Now look at this race compared to the first up race. None of those horses were going to take Nature Strip on. They'd be stupid to do that. You know, Wild Ruler was never going to take Nature Strip on. Come on now. Don't know how Wild Ruler got back in the portholes. It was a bit stupid, but. Um, <laughs> 
Eduardo proven in the past to take nature strip on. He doesn't give a shit. You know, the only way Eduardo wins races is if he, is, is if he leads. So he's got to lead from barrier nine or he's got to at least attempt to lead or cross or do something stupid. Um, I guess lost and running's in that same boat. I don't think lost and running's as dynamic ridden with a cover compared to what he is when he's ridden to lead. And I think that just sets up perfectly for a horse like Rothfire. I know that might sound a bit, um, I guess, dangerous for some punters, but I, I know Mask Crusader was so good first up, but I'm sort of expecting him. I, I think they're the two, Mask Crusader and Rothfire, but I think I'd rather be of Rothfire knowing that he's come back probably, I think he might, might have come back better than what he was before he got injured with the tendon. Um, and you, mm. you often see horses that do get tendon injuries. When they do come back and they do try well, they actually, in some cases, go better. In my opinion, I, I don't think it's the worst thing that could have happened to him. And, you know, he mm. SP'd $1.55 favourite in the Group 1 Golden Rose. So, and he was a dashing winner in the Group 2 race beforehand. And he rated through the roof that day. And if there's any horse that can be, I guess, the new kid on the block, even though he's already been on the block, I guess Rothfire is the horse. So I'm leading yeah. into his camp. I don't know if Mars Crusader can peak twice. I don't know if that was a peak run first up. It was a great run, I think. But I think he might hit a flat spot now going into the Everest where he might peak again, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What about you, Blake? Um, yeah, good good insight. I, for me personally, just in terms with, with Rothfire, I want to see him do it. Um, just listening to you um, and, and sort of the way he's been building up to this race, he's had like a year off people are saying you know he's he's come back he's flying this that for me personally i don't like speculative punting and i don't like assuming where horses are and what horses are going to do until i see whether they are or aren't going to do those things now I, I looked at the two trials they were good but for me trials are more of an indication that the horse is going okay you can't you can't ever, or there are very, very few circumstances where you can watch a horse's trial and, and say that horse is 100% going to win its first up run because that was an insane trial. Like you just watch it for me. Anyway, I watch a trial and I see the horse run well, win, finish off well, whatever. And I say, okay, that's a pass mark. That's what it is for me. It's a pass mark. I'm not judging the, the horse's entire ability on how it runs in a trial because it's not a race. They're not there. They're not there to win by ten lengths. You know what I mean. So although the trials have been good, although the horse is clearly talented, there are a lot of question marks for me. And six dollars is not fair um, for me on those question marks. With Mars Crusader, uh, just sort of working my way up the market here from Rothfire, Mars Crusader needs further, in my opinion. He, uh, uh, he, he finished second to Nature Strip. What was it in the TJ? That was over twelve hundred meters, and. In my opinion, if the race was 100, well, I don't think anyone can argue that if the race was 100 or 200 meters longer, Mars Crusader wouldn't have caught Nature Strip and at least made it interesting. So given this race is even shorter than the TJ and Nature Strip is 110% going to be spotting Mars Crusader the same or more of a start, I don't think Mars Crusader is just going to be able to make up that much ground on a, on whether it's Nature Strip or whether it's another horse who's ahead of Mars Crusader, they're not going to be slowing down at the end of 1,100 metres. Well, they're not going to be slowing down that much because it's such a short trip. You know what I mean? So I think Mars Crusader, get up over 1,200 metres, 1,400 metres maybe. Um, that's where you'll see him sort of step into it. Um, and so the fact that I can rule out or mostly rule out Rothfire and Mars Crusader, especially at their prices, just kind of naturally directs me towards Nature Strip. Um, I think there are a lot of horses in this race. Well, apart from Adelong and Handle the Truth, these horses all have their chance. I think Gaitra has has won races like this before, and so has Eduardo. Eduardo is going to go nuts up front. Now, in terms of the speed, I think it could be possible that, like, I mean, we, we don't really know what to expect with Lost and Running. He can go, he, he could go really fast and go forward, but if I was training him or if I was sort of, giving Hugh Bowman instructions, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him going forward, or at least I wouldn't want him trying to lead because when I look at the speed map, there's at least four or five horses who could try and do that. So um, if I was, if I was lost and running, I wouldn't be going forward. If, if that sort of eventuates Eduardo could be the only horse that kind of 
presses for the lead. Like there will be horses, there will be five or six horses up on speed. Do they all try and get the rail and lead? I don't think so. I think if Eduardo just goes goes nuts from barrier nine, goes straight forward and just doesn't ask any questions, he'll find the rail and every other horse will just be, okay, Eduardo's taking that spot. We're not going to fight him for it or we'll lose the race. And if that happens, Eduardo, I don't think Eduardo will slow down. I think Nature Strip can get his back. And if Nature Strip just gets that sort of gap that he needs and gets enough space that he doesn't act like an idiot and play up and throw his head around and do all the things we've seen Nature Strip do before, I think he can win the race. Um, I think the market is is pretty good, especially with Nature Strip. I don't I don't want to back Mask Crusade. I don't want to back Rothfire. I definitely don't want to back Eduardo. So just sort of by the process of elimination, I'm landing on a nature strip, but I also don't like the price on him. So this is sort of an up in the air race for me. I can't believe what I'm just saying right now. Can't believe it. Just literally on my phone. Um, no disrespect to you, Blake, and your words. They're, they're very thoroughly enjoyed, but Norwegian Bliss opened $4.40 in front of my eyes and dead set. It's gone 4.40 to 3.30 within like a minute. Who the hell is getting on this? <laughs> this podcast isn't live. Who is getting on it? <laughs> The only person I have told was Brad Davison. Brad, if you're listening, mate, don't stop touching my odds, mate. The three third, I could only get three thirty. Mark Zuckerberg, he's, he hacked you. God, literally, You've been hacked, Chase. Four forty to three thirty within like bloody two minutes. It just opened. <laughs> oh my god, it's probably ah. all right. Anyway, they might be on it. Nathan Doyle and the team. They might have been bloody refreshing the fucking screen all day. Anyway, regardless, head on, move on. Um, my bets are on. My bets are on. I got, I got three thirty. I couldn't get four forty. I wasn't fast enough. 3.30 it is. Lock it in. 3.30 Norwegian Bliss. My trial file for tomorrow. Very confident. Been waiting for this one for ages. Anyway, Randrick, race nine, the group three, <laughs> Kingston Town Stakes over the 2,000 metres. The Battle of the Mares. She's ideal and Montefilia. I can't wait for this one. Whose side do you take in these two? Sticking with Montefilia. I backed her oh, Monty. at almost 20, 20 bucks last time. Um, that was that was a great run, and I expected something like that. I, th- I said she was overs, and she obviously was much um, extremely overs, huge value there. Uh, she only ran third, but you get the place anyway. I think off that run, she can run well again this time. But my issue now is that she's four dollars forty and almost favourite, and I backed her last time; she was twenty bucks. So that's my concern. But in terms of which also I think is better out of She's Ideal and Montefilia in this race. I think Montefilia has the better chance of winning this race just based on that last run. Um, do I think She's Ideal is going to run last? No, but yeah, I'm leaning towards Montefilia. I've probably got a bit of bias now after I backed her last time, but that's the way I'm looking. Which way are you looking? Oh, I love them both. I like dead set. She's Ideal. I remember tipping She's Ideal. My second ever tip on Punt Hub. Golden Maiden, 600 metres. Imagine getting... <laughs> It was, I got it, I got like 440 for her and a golden maiden. Imagine that, Jesus. So yeah. I, I've loved She's Ideal since she was ever born. Um, and Montefilia, I love I love Monty. Monty's been very nice to me in the past and I'm a big fan of her. But of the two, I'm going to be opposing you for probably one of the first times in this whole podcast. And as we'll see later on, we're very, we're very linked this week as we were last week and it did pay <laughs> off last week. Um, <laughs> I think She's Ideal is the camp I want to be on based on the fact that she was so good first up where... She probably had to have that flat run second up, but I did have some, I'm not going to pretend I didn't put some money on her second up, just hoping or thinking that she might've just come back a better horse. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, gut feeling, I knew she was going to be a bit flat um, second up at 1600 meters. And the sectionals tell that perfectly. Like her sectionals were far, I think they were bottom four for like 600 to 400, 400 to 200. But the last 200, I think she ran the second fastest last 200 meters of the race. Um, equal with Montefilia, very, very similar sectionals. I think yeah. Montefilia is in that boat this time where she was so brilliant on fresh legs first up, where this might be her backwards run heading into a third up good run. And she's ideal's third up record states four win, uh, four starts for two wins, including a th- uh, third. Uh, she was a moral beaten um, last preparation in that opponent stakes group three level. Dead set, watch a replay. I still feel sick because I had money on her. But um, <laughs> two from two at the distance. She's drawn well with Jason Collett. She's ideal. Yes, she is a back marker, but when she draws low, she can sit midfield. So I wouldn't be surprised if she sits midfield. And I think the main thing is, Blake, she's ideal meets Montefilia four and a half kilos better off at the weights. So, you know, that's a, she, she, she got beaten four lengths by her last start, but that's still a pretty big swing in the weights. So 
I don't think, do you have anything else in this race that you want to allude on, Blake, before we head on to the biggest race of the day? I don't want to spend too much time on this race. I think it's one to watch. There are a lot of horses at big odds um, and it's it's a very open race. So I have um, I have a philosophy with races over the trip, like 2,000 metres, where most of the time the favourites don't win and a lot of the time horses come up that are massive odds, like 20 to 1. Um, so based on that theory, there are just a few I want to mention. Shared Ambition was a good run, just peaked. Um on the run, but it was still it was still not a bad run by any stretch of the imagination. First up over sixteen hundred meters, so I'm still a little bit in his camp. Um, second up records good, distance records good, track distance records good. So I'm still in shared ambitions camp at eleven bucks. And best of days is another one who's put performances in big races up before. He's drawn well. He's an eight year old now, but he's got sort of the runs on the board there to suggest that he can run well in a race like this. Um, and so I, th I think he's one that kind of has the good setup in terms of the map, the, the barrier, um, and sort of the runs that he's put up before in big races like this over this trip. So best of days and shared ambition were two kind of at odds that I just wanted to mention, but yeah, tough race, tough race. Beautiful. Let's move on then. Don't worry about it. But what, what you're saying about that, um, that's uh, uh, hopefully, I don't know if anyone's listening that has a statistic on that, but I myself have been burnt touching short price favorites or just favorites in general over the, over, over the exact same distance, over 2000 meters, mm. 2000 meters plus. I, yeah. I would love to know the actual fact behind that, if that's actually like true or false, but I, I swear more often than not, they lose. But anyway, yeah. um, we'll move on to the group one race. We'll talk about that off, off air. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> The Queen returns, or I guess the modern day Queen, or I guess this generation Queen, rather than oh, well, Winx is still in this generation, but I guess our Queen, very elegant, she returns to the races. Um, yeah. And just before, just before you get onto, we get onto the Group One. Just touching on that two thousand meter thing, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just want to say that I think the reason why a lot of the favourites don't win over two thousand meters, and a lot of the roughies sort of get up, is because over two thousand meters, you have a thousand meters extra then you do over a 1,000 meter race for things to happen in a race. So for horses who are back markers and get stuck wide, they can push forward, put speed in the race. It's very, very difficult to determine which horse gets the right run in a race over 2,000 meters compared to a race over 1,200 meters where you more or less know where horses are gonna land and how the speed's gonna look and that sort of thing. So there's a lot, of, a lot more question marks over the big uh, sort of long distance races. Anyway, onto the group one now, very elegant, short price favorite. What do you think, Jace? Oh, Blake's throwing it to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, <laughs> I guess, you know, I'll just like Blake, Laylor, hyphen, quotation, back or sack, question mark, Jason. Um, um, <laughs> back, 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 back. Find your... Yes, yes, back. yes. Yeah, back, back, back. Just just keep backing, in my opinion. Um, just I'm throw little, money. Yeah, just, just you know, loan sharks or whatever. But, you Sell know, your we, house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't... Um, we don't promote. Um, no, no, no. We don't condone that. Gambling, we don't condone gamble responsibly. That. Gamble responsibly. But if there ever was a time to sell your house, um, no, <laughs> um, no. I think uh, I gave her out on Tuesday as my best bet of the day. Um, I'm a little, I guess, butt hurt that I didn't give her out on Monday because she's about two seventy. Um, final field on Monday. Um, not final field. Um, uh, post post barriers, whatever they call it. Um, pre market. Um. And then the rain came on Tuesday. I knew the rain was going to come. I was just a bit busy all week. So I didn't actually put the tip out. Um, and then she was $2.10. But I took $2.10. I'm happy with that. I, I I could easily mark her as short as $1.50, $1.60 in this race. She might even start that. Like, I just think her yeah. run first up where she beat these horses home, three wide, no cover the trip. If they're not going to beat her at 1,400 meters, three wide, no cover the trip, I don't think they're going to beat her at a mile. I know you got to allude on... Uh, after I speak, the mm. barrier is a concern. I don't, in my opinion, I don't really think it's a concern. I look at races, obviously every horse is different, but I think I'd rather draw a low barrier than barrier nine because from barrier two, she can actually get in and, and literally sit right behind the speed. Whereas if she was drawn barrier nine, she have to go back to last and then she's sort of at the fate of the tempo of the race. If they slow down mid-race, then she might have to run like exceptional sectionals to win the race. And she's well capable of doing it. I gave her out pre-barriers 
So that just shows I was confident. I couldn't care where she started. I don't care if she drew barrier 30. Like Randwick miles, the most fairest start. I think any mile start, even Shartin, you know that, Blake. I, don't, I think mm. barriers are almost just useless. Like that doesn't really matter in my opinion. Um, to some extent, yeah. Yeah. Well, compared to the other starts, in my opinion, I think I think Definitely. 1,600 metres at Flemington, Shartin and Randwick and big open tracks like that, I don't think they really matter as much as they would over like 1,100 metres at Rose Hill or something like that. Anyway, mm. I'm firmly in very elegant camp. I don't really want to touch base too much on the race. Blake, you can have your say and then we'll move on to the competitions. Go for it. Big fan, big fan uh, of Very Elegant as well, Jace. So I've got to be with her again. Um, as you mentioned, the only thing I want to point out with Very Elegant for me personally is I prefer to see the horse drawn five plus. And she's, we, we went through this before the podcast. She's won races and pretty much run well every start since the Melbourne Cup run. And she hasn't had a, a barrier bigger than five. So she can still, she's obviously still the best horse in this race by, by a country mile. Um, there's just that slight concern, which just adds, for me, adds a little bit of risk into the race because she's drawn barrier two. Um, and because there's only, how many, nine horses in the field and it doesn't look to be like an incredible amount of speed, Shout the Bar will go forward and Riadini will. But I was saying this to you earlier, Jason, that sometimes in these small fields where you have, two horses max that are going to try and lead one will if one finds that spot early and the other one gives up on it which they should unless they want to both lose the race um you can you can see them sort of slow it down and just say okay we'll both just slow down one outside the other and that puts both of us in a good position to win the race and kind of rules a lot of the other horses back in the field out it's either that or they both go ridiculous and try and beat each other to the home straight and then they both lose the race so for me if that happens in a small field the problem with very elegant we've seen before is that she can play up a little bit in the run when there's no speed on and she's buried behind horses so like as much as i think she's the best horse and she can probably do that and still win this race don't get me wrong like her ability is phenomenal especially compared to these horses she's shown that um, it's just that extra element of risk for me that that just throws a little bit of doubt in my mind. I'm still heavily in her camp in this race, um, but there's just, yeah, there's just that there's just that tiny tiny sort of bit of doubt that creeps in because of the barrier. Um, I, yeah, I tend to agree though with you about the price. I think that it's likely we're going to see her start a lot shorter than this on Saturday, which will be interesting <laughs> it will be That's very what I was interesting gonna ask you. i was going to ask you that that small negative in your opinion of the barrier does that mm. affect you enough to have a price longer than even money or is that a factor that makes it go from like a dollar 50 chance to a dollar 80 chance i think so i think i think if she, for me if she's drawn if she's drawn the ideal barrier whatever barrier it is if she's drawn ideally in this race she's a dollar 40 chance yeah, like no, um, um, dead set thinks she's a dollar forty chance. That's her. That's her right price in this race if she's got the right barrier, because she's got barrier two. I think what she is now a dollar ninety is probably as short as I'm willing to go. Maybe a dollar eighty, yes, but I think even money was was overs two dollars ten, two dollars seventy earlier. Like, Don't she's talk basically. About it. <laughs> <laughs> she's basically got the worst bar in my opinion she's got the worst one of the worst barriers she could have got because i think if she drew nine she's a better chance of like she's there's no trouble she's out of trouble if she plays up she can just roll forward a little bit more and she you know james doesn't have to muck around he can just sort of let her roll so yeah that i i still i'm still going to take a dollar 90 don't get me wrong yeah well i think that's where blake and i dip, like seeing this race slightly differently Whereas I don't care about the barriers for a race like this. I think she can sit behind the leaders. And I don't think she'll get checked in. And even if she gets boxed in, I still think she's good enough to win. Um, yeah. so, that, so therefore, I have her $1.50, but Blake has that small concern. So when you have that small concern, it's very easy to add 20 or $0.30 cents to, to a price when it's around that even money. So anyway, Blake and I are both heavily in very elegant camp. We're going to head on to our $100 viewers competition. Big shout out to Cody Lawson. Well done, brother. Um, it's very rarely you'd follow whatever Jason Campbell's tipping and, and come off 
on the, <laughs> on the right side. But luckily, the Group One God Blake was on board too. So we had a bit of luck to push incentivize over the line. So Cody Lawson, well done, mate. Cody's um, given us that touch of luck, Chase. I reckon. Yeah. Oh, I finally got my first winner in a Group One. So I think, <laughs> I think Cody's basically spurred me on to have That's a it. massive fill up in time. And regardless, the leaderboard currently, Harry Whiteman is still first, $420. And Cody's second with $390 to his name. We pay out on SP only. So Cody got a bit shafted there because I'm pretty sure Incentivize was a bit longer when we were doing the podcast. Uh, this week's viewer is none other than Isaiah Arahu, the legend himself. Um, big shout out to Isaiah and the Arahu boys. Um, he's going to have $50 on Hungry Heart, the win. And $50 on Star of the Sea. So he's obviously playing around the favorite to um to basically boost himself up the first on the leaderboard. And I don't mind that play because if he puts hundred bucks on very elegant, he sits in third, and that might not be where you want to be sitting in when you've got 10 weeks left in the competition. So um <laughs> someone might easily nab him. Anyway, regardless, Blake and I are having our little hundred dollar competition, and I am falling behind miserably, even though I won last week. Um, I'm still minus $88 and Blake is plus $324.50. The Chupa Chup 50 cents is still there. Um, he hasn't he hasn't claimed his free Chupa Chup voucher. But, um, yeah, outstanding effort from Blake. I hope hopefully some of the viewers are actually oh, the listeners are are getting on board because you know he's going 80% return on investment in these group ones. So commendable job there, Blake. Um, the George Main stakes. Uh, I'm playing it very simple. Hundred the win on very elegant. I was kind of hoping, in the sake of this competition, Blake would put eighty on very elegant and twenty on something else, um, <laughs> just to get a bit of ground back. But Blake, you can tell us what what you're on. Yeah, well, same same thing. Very elegant. Um, Pretty obvious. It's, yeah, it's hard to go past her. I I could have gone something. I could have gone eighty to win, twenty on something else. But I thought just keep it simple. Best horse in the race. Good price. So we're just taking that. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, and the Group 1 race earlier, it is a Group 1 competition, so we're going to have both Group 1s. The Caulfield Sir Rupert Clark Stakes. I'm having 50 to win on Probabil after Blake's basically steered me in it. I'm going to follow the, <laughs> going to follow the Group 1 god into the bloody... I'll follow you into the... Uh, I don't even want to say the word on, on the podcast, but regardless. Um, and I'm going to have... <laughs> A little sneaky each way bet on Dallasan. Twenty-five dollars each way on Dallasan. What about you, Blake? Okay, well, I've steered you into Probabil, and that's the way I'm leaning as well. So I've got fifty to win on Probabil, just like you, copycat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then I, I hinted at this earlier. The other two that I'm interested in in the race are Sierra Sue, fifteen dollars each way for me. She's the one that was held up at Mooney Valley and. I think could have won that race. So I think she gets another chance in this race. And then if I like Sierra Seward, I like dice roll. So $10 each way on dice roll. So 50 to win, probably 15 each way Sierra Sue, 10 each way dice roll. All righty, Blake, beautiful. Do you have any best bets for the listeners for tomorrow? Huge day of group one racing at both Caulfield and Randwick. Um, not really, apart from very elegant for me, I think, um, Stop copying oh. my homework, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just, yeah, I just want to wait and see. I was a little bit interested in Big Boy Roy in the second at Ramwick. Yeah. I think um, it's definitely his race to lose, and he's got Barry One, J Mac on for Waller. There's a lot of ticks there, and I think it's a it's a very winnable race for the horse. Um, but in terms of best bet, I think you've got to sort of lean towards Very Elegant. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm the same with you. Best bet. Um, very elegant. Uh, I've already given it out, obviously. So there you go. There's a freebie for everyone tomorrow. I guess it's very easy for anyone to find. It doesn't take a bloody genius to find it. So I, mm. and you know, it might be too short for some people. So, you know, use your bet boosters or chuck her in a multi or something like that and, uh, enjoy, enjoy the very elegant, um, ride home. But, um, if there's one that I don't want to back, there's a horse that I actually do want to lay tomorrow in the last race at Randwick. I was looking at the prices and doing the race. I think it's just a ridiculous price, in my opinion. Um, number 12, Equation. Um, I think it's been a drifter already. I think it opened a bit shorter, but it's currently around that $3 mark on most bookmakers. I just cannot get this horse priced that shortly coming from the races it's coming from. I know it's a lightly raced horse and it's one of its last four races and blah, blah, blah. But, you know... It's going to have to do it against the older horses. It's had no open trials, um, not open trials, public trials. So 
I'm happy to take it on. There's a few horses in this race I really don't mind. Like Marway's a very tough on-speed horse. The face has shown great potential. Lord Olympus has won a listed race up in Brisbane. Fella Quenta came back in dashing form um, at Randwick in an 88 Saturday race. Exo Boom um, has clearly shown great ability. Like there's just a lot. Mamaragan at 31 to 1, considering it was about 4 or $5 against Olympic Legend and Big Parade um, first yeah. up. It's a bit of a stupid price and sounds like Blake might mm. be a bit keen on Mamaragan there, maybe, possibly. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Mamaragan. Yeah, I, mean, I think 31 is a bit of a stupid price on the tab right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Considering he started a like what not even half that price like literally like five dollars against mm. the parade there's no big parade in this race um mm. anyway so regardless <laughs> i'm against equation there's just way too many chances has to drift has to start about five dollars um that's about it for this week um and yeah what are you doing for this weekend blake what, what's what's the plans give the followers a bit of an insight just uh just plenty of sport a bit of uh bit of rest and recovery for the uh the hand we had a skating incident on tuesday in the rain oh, yes, so yes, yes. Uh, yeah a lot of sitting and a lot of eyes glued to the telly i think for the weekend yes she was a skater boy okay that's enough um, <laughs> <laughs> i did say before the show started i somehow fit that in somehow but um Regardless, I'll be, um, not that Blake cares or anyone cares, I'll be watching um, Camel's Gamble's win for the 10,000 and first time <laughs> night on my bed, um, doing illicit things to it. Um, but regardless, the Mighty Manly Seagulls are playing tonight. Uh, I'll get this podcast up for everyone to listen to. And thank you very much. It's been a long podcast, but thanks, Blake, for joining me. And thank you my to pleasure, everyone always. who tuned in. That's actually even stayed this long. No one stays this long. That's why I'm talking like absolute shit coming out of my mouth right now but regardless take care good luck tomorrow at randwick in caulfield good luck everyone let's get it